0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, book by book, chapter by chapter, looking at Revelation chapter 15 today. And this is an interesting turn here. We got another set of seven. We had the seven trumpet blasts before, those seven angels who had those trumpets and now there's seven angels again, and we might want to ask if these are the same angels and, you know, is there only one group of seven angels? Um, but now they've got seven plagues. I mean, of course, what we read before sounded awfully plague-like indeed, uh, but but this is uh, the seven bowls of God's wrath here. So uh, starting a new sequence, a new turn, you know, and so there's important questions to understand the book of Revelation the right way are these supposed to be seven things that happen after the last seven things? Or, or is this the same seven things all over again from different perspective? Um, is this a, the same period of time we've been talking about or is this a later one? So really in question, to just having any idea of what's going on and how to really take this. Um, but in, in the midst of it, a lot of the same sorts of ideas with the, the mark of the beast on, on the hands um, and then contrasted with those who are sealed in the name of God, who have uh, harps, it says here, and they sing the song of Moses, they sing the song of the Lamb, and there's this amazing song that's right in the middle of this chapter, that's the focus, Is actually the song um, that's being sung to God by the saints, just and true are your ways, O King of the Nations. So, really cool stuff today here in Revelation chapter 15. And joining us today, we've got returning, we've got Pastor Kevin Martin, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good morning, brother. It's good to have you on again. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's great to be back on you actually have all the questions I have, so I look forward to you answering them for me because I've been wondering about uh, that for a long time.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's right, and we're gonna ha- we're just gonna answer all the questions. everyone will walk away understanding everything perfectly, yeah. <laughs>
1: I know that you do, so I'm looking forward to this <laughs> be very enlightening for me. That's why I like being on the show. I learned. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's uh, we've, we've been finding that. I'm we really we start...
1: seriously don't know the answer to those questions. I'm going to be honest.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I
1: think they're yeah. great questions.
0: No, there, there's a lot of stuff, and we've been finding consistently that we've got more than enough to chew on um, every time. And it it's just, especially in Revelation, where it's just – it feels like you could do like a whole month on just any one of these chapters. I'm just trying to figure out some sure. of the historical stuff. I mean, just there's a there's a lot. So going going just over. It's a shorter chapter today, only eight verses, but I'm pretty sure we're still going to have our hands full.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes.
0: Well, as we get started, would you open us up with a prayer, brother, just for us and for everyone listening along and for all our brothers and sisters out there?
1: Yes, thank you. Um, gracious God our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be immersed in your Word, especially in times when we look around and see plagues and pestilence, fear is everywhere. Uh, we thank you for those who serve the people who are ill or sick, especially our medical professionals who put themselves and their safety at risk every day to treat the the, the sick. We pray for our pastors and teachers that we would minister faithfully to our flocks, that we would be instruments of your peace, your encouragement, and your joy. And most most of all, we bless us that you would grant us true insight into your word as we pour over the great and profound mysteries that you've revealed to us through your servant, John. All this we ask in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. 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 All
0: right. So— Let's just read the first verse and, and try to answer this important question, which I think really deserves spending a little bit of time on just how this relates to what we read previously. Just recalling that um, in chapter 14, um, it, I mean, that was, that was quite a chapter, and they all are, but you had the, the three angels um, who are pronouncing these, uh, I mean, the judgment and destruction. Um, the, the last thing that happened was this great harvest of the earth, and we saw that there was this this massive amount of uh, wine, blood, kind of unclear, kind of both <laughs> of those things at the same time. That it says like went as high as a horse's bridle for sixteen hundred stadia. We didn't even really talk about exactly what that meant, but some kind of massive bloodshed seems to you know be the the kind of symbolism there. So that's what we just read, and then we get this in chapter 15, but here's just the first verse. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. Oh, Of course, you know, so he says here this time, um, you know, it's a, it's a great sign, great and amazing, as if all the ones so far haven't been that, you know, Uh, but the, the way that, the way that he sets this up, I feel like, I don't know, another sign, um, great and amazing. And then, you know, he specifies, you know, which are the last, I don't know. I I guess to me, this seems like he's trying to say, these are seven additional things, but I I don't know. Like, how do you take it? How have you, how have you read it?
1: No. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. Uh, there are, so many ways to answer them, and usually be brutally honest, the last persuasive and thoughtful analysis always seems persuasive to me. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but I do kind of think we're going over the same material now it, from a different perspective. I, I've been uh-huh. kind of persuaded that the first half of the book we're looking at this from an earthly perspective. And the second half, we see basically the same things, but now we're looking at it from God's perspective, from uh-huh. a heavenly perspective. So, but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have great confidence. To be honest, I'm not sure we're supposed to know. I, I think mm-hmm. part of why the book works so well is that different readings can be persuasive to different people in different circumstances and i'm not so sure that's not part of the divine intention behind the book that we can all relate to this in different ways because there's a certain cycle of the signs of the end that repeat you know when you go back mm-hmm. to matthew 24 jesus says all those things the wars the rumors of wars persecution of the church etc signs in the sun moon and stars that those all happened before the apostles generation died and yet they, they they keep repeating. So right. I, I tend to think that, in a way, the answer are these a new set of signs or they're the same ones repeated? That the answer is yes. <laughs> <That> yes, <laughs> yes, it's both of yeah. those. It really is right. both of those. Um, well, yeah, our, well, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I, mean, I, I know say, that. Uh,
0: be... yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think
0: yeah, I think that there's certainly something to that. That. I mean, we, we've seen this, that even even if John was seeing this and this was being revealed to him in a way that it specifically was talking about certain things in his own time, um, even if that is the case, it, we we still see that the just because of the nature of history, right, that these things just—they're all patterns that repeat themselves, right? And I mean, it's like when we look at the Old sure. Testament, really. I mean, really, that's kind of been the, the weirdest thing for me, I think. Um, I was just reflecting on this, uh, I think, this morning— uh, that like, just when you read this, it, it feels a lot of ways like you're reading the Old Testament. You know, I mean, th- this feels so much like yeah. Daniel, so much like Zechariah. And w- when you read those books Ezekiel, too, I mean, yeah. they, they seem to, Ezekiel, right. They, they seem to be talking about specific things in those times and places, but the, the patterns, they they do have a way of continuing to repeat themselves. So I think that um, I, I my, my my ideal is trying to read it in a way that, that can try to hold on to both and say, like, I I think I know, you know, what it was trying to get at kind of first and foremost. And then if I can understand that, that actually helps me identify the patterns better later, right? Because if our, if our picture of the first, if our picture of the prototype is fuzzy, it's going to be hard to identify antitypes as we go along.
1: Sure. No, I actually, I your ideal and mine coincide exactly. I, I, I think it's really important to really be serious about being clear on what it referred to to the original visionary, to to John, to the right. prophets Ezekiel, Daniel, because the more you're clear on that, and the Old Testament is tremendously helpful for decoding the meaning of some of these signs that John is seeing right. it's a very old testament book in that respect then your application to the antitypes as you say so i, I subscribe to the same ideal a more the more historical your reading is the more right. contemporarily useful it is yeah. so yeah we're on a right. completely yeah same yeah yeah. yeah
0: well well yeah. then so so then trying to trying to like get this sequencing here um yeah. it's interesting we're going to see this here because there, there, there's actually going to be mention here of talking about um the beast and the, and the mark and stuff like that and so all those things all together uh, they they do make it seem like this is in at least some way following what we saw in say like chapter 13 um for example where the the two beasts emerge right um, so yes. th- there, there seems to be um, at least some kind of sequencing there. When, when he does have this, you know, you know, uh, you know, and then I saw another sign, and there were, and there were seven. You know, but you mentioned these two halves. So I, I guess the, yes. the question really is then: Okay, maybe this does sequentially follow thirteen and and uh, and fourteen here. But I guess where's the reset okay. button in the book?
1: Yeah. No, I think the reset button in the book is at chapter 12, um, mm-hmm. I, and I I think that I think the chapters one through 11 are a unit, and I think that the vision in um, 11 of the two witnesses and the seventh trumpet yeah. is yeah. the wrapping up of the first sequence. And chapter 12, that begins with, and a great sign appeared in heaven. Right. I think that's the beginning of the second sequence, which is both new and going over the same visions, the same material, the same historical events, but now literally from the perspective of heaven. This is what it looks right. like from heaven. And I think the value in, in that, having a schematic view of it, is it from Earth, this just seemed like a disaster. I mean, these things right. just seem like pure punishment. But when you look at it from heaven, you see that what is harsh and difficult in earthly terms has a truly wonderful and divine telos, ending, purpose. Yeah. And so the book actually is tremendously comforting for people who are going through earthly trial and calamities, which when I saw her chapter and what we were on today, I I, I think if you get those aspects, you find the comfort and the encouragement for difficult times like we're certainly going through that this book contains. It's not a book that's supposed to scare you and frighten you. It's a book that's supposed to make you look up and lift up your heads, knowing that we have a gracious God who works even some scary things for an ultimately good and redemptive purpose. So that, that's where I would do the reset. Where would you hit the reset button? Do you No, I think you're you, I think you're uh, exactly right. We,
0: we we saw in chapter in twelve um, that that was actually the first time that John used the term like he saw a sign, you know, which which is which was right. striking when we saw that because he's very deliberate about the use of the word sign there in the gospel of John we've seen. Uh, so to have it only occur up at, at twelve and then we get this repetition where this is almost the same thing. Um, as what you saw in twelve, mm-hmm. right? So in twelve, just mm-hmm. to like refresh your memories here, um, in chapter twelve we had. Let me pull that up here. Uh, so in twelve, it was, and a great sign appeared in heaven, and then here in fifteen, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, right? So yeah, I, I think it is meant to be like this. Is like okay, uh, twelve through fourteen was one thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and now uh, 15 is introducing another thing that follows on top of 12. Uh, but as, yeah. as you said, uh, really, I mean, there was there was an end at there at the end of chapter 11. I mean, and that was I mean, because yeah. you got to think about it here. It was we saw you had seven trumpet blasts um, and they were and they were they were going up there, moving up. And like, and what did we read at the end of 11? Right. I mean, it says here. uh right. I mean, my goodness, like, like, think about like what they actually say here. It says the kingdom of the world says 1115, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Right. And then like verse 19, then God's temple in heaven was opened. Right. And the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just the end, you know, that's just, yes. you know, you know, like game over, like you, you all have been conquered god God rules supreme like that's that's it so i mean there's nothing there's nothing that really can 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 follow like you know chronologically chapter 11 so um so yeah it does make sense i think that yeah go ahead
1: 19 is the end and the credits flash and you see the guy rolling the ark of the covenant you know into the warehouse and i'm glad that in heaven we finally have found it again we got it out of the warehouse where indiana jones left it it's back in heaven I'm right. excited about that as an ending. Uh but yeah, it's it. That's it. It ends with heavy yeah. hail. <laughs> yeah. So now yeah, yeah we're starting. Twelve is a new beginning. A new beginning.
0: Yeah. Right. So 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 then yeah, I yeah think so you're it's totally interesting right. then. So I was gonna say so so you we, so then what we what we really I, I guess ought to anticipate then, when when he talks about, you know, um there's there's seven angels here, I mean we we probably ought to anticipate that these are going to be basically the the same angels. And when we talk about seven plagues, they won't they won't be in terms of like trumpets, but they're pretty much going to be representing the um like the, the same sorts of things. What, what what's interesting is that all of this has more focus in, in terms of this beast, right? Um, because that that's what you you didn't have in in the first half. It was, yeah. it wasn't in terms of the beast. It was kind of more general it was like well you had the four the four horsemen right you had the talk of like the two witnesses right so th- th- yeah. there was th- those sorts of things uh, that were that were kind of more in focus and more in view uh but here uh it, it's more focused about the beast and I, and i think that to your point about this is the perspective of heaven you know we we got to take ourselves back into that old testament context when you're talking about heaven right like what what does what does heaven mean um and and i think you know you think even even the sayings of of the lord jesus when he talks about the devil right as like the uh like the prince of the the air right and you have like uh, phrases like that and you've got like in isaiah all of the 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 talk of the stars representing kings and powers Uh, heaven right it is not like the afterlife heaven is not I don't know, the place where God is and no one else is. Um, but these signs right. in heaven seem to be indicating uh, the powers that be. This is this is a lot like Daniel, where there are angels that are behind the physical powers and dominions of the world. Um, this is like what you had in the very beginning of Revelation, where the seven churches have seven angels, seven stars uh, that are there behind them. So, the the second, you know, after the reset button, the focus from twelve onwards seems to be a focus on I don't know, you you might say it's the same thing with a focus on political power. Um not just political in a purely secular sense, but political with a with a spiritual perspective.
1: Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm totally with you. Yeah. I think so. Which, well, which, when you get the schematics right, it makes it easier yeah. to appreciate the details. But yeah, right. Well, so let let's turn. So this to is going to be the said. second of the 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 second of the reset signs. If we'll call them that. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. All right. So let's let's let's. So we, we have our bearings, I think. So you know we're we're still we're we're following what so we're following the stuff about the uh the the blood. <laughs> Um, so there is there there's something kind of you know, yeah. going on there, but but uh but yeah, let's take a look at these details that we have here in fifteen then. So here's here's verse two. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast in its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the lamb saying, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Okay, so pausing there before we get to the last paragraph here. Um, so it's, it's this, uh, this singing again. And we saw that, I I think it was just in the last chapter where, you know, you have your army of the 144,000, um, and, and you're like ready to, to have, you know, some kind of battle go down and and what do they do? They, you know, take out their harps and they, and they sing and they play, they make music. Right. And so, um, like same, same sort of thing again, you've got, you know, um, you know, the, the the word, you know, conquering there, those who had conquered the beast. Right. Um, but it's just... We're not we're not here, you know, twirling swords or, or going into battle, but but just singing. Um, I want to I want to get your take on that. Uh, but actually, I just noticed here we do have a call uh, with a comment uh, from from Larry. So if we still have him, I want to turn that over to to Larry. Do we have you? Good morning, brother.
2: Good morning, pastors. So we're talking about the culmination of the destruction of the world, and mm-hmm. we're looking at. If we go back in 7 verse 1, hmm. and I have a King James version, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the right. four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any, nor on any tree. So here, right. the four angels are unleashed with the wrath. They're no longer to hold the four corners of the earth. And we look in verse one, the last plagues, in verse six, seven plagues, and in verse seven, the full wrath of God. Those are my comments.
0: Okay, yeah, thanks, Larry. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, we've been seeing this, this idea that, you know, God, like, has been holding back in mercy. Um, You know, we we saw that um, in chapter seven, as you pointed out, you know, I think later trying to remember it was uh, in chapter nine where you had the four angels It says who are bound at the great river euphrates right and then and they're released right so it's it's like this image of like there's all this stuff that has been like stored up um and it's just and, and you can kind of just like imagine you know just i uh, i don't know just like all this it's just getting packed in there and the doors are kind of starting to like bulge right and it's like it's just about to burst right like a dam or something um, and now like it's finally just being open and just comes gushing out. So, uh, yeah, you you have this idea of stored wrath, which I I feel like it's significant because it means that even though all these bad things have been happening all along, it's not like God has been ignoring it. Um, he he's been seeing these these sins, these gr- these grievous oppressions of his people. This mis- miscarriages of justice. I mean, like you know, the biggest miscarriage of justice ever—the death of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord—and um, he doesn't just say like, "Okay, I'm not doing anything," but he he actually in that moment like sets aside wrath. It's just that it's being restrained, so it's not that he was ignoring our our cries for help um, or the or or the evil that was going on, but it was being stored for a later time. Uh, your thoughts, brother?
1: Um. Yeah, I I was going to say, you know, and and the first verse there that the plagues are the outpouring of wrath. And as you say, God's been storing this up. But the wrath has, it it depends where you stand, literally, you know, whether you're standing with the saints, whether you're standing with those who have opposed God, what is It's difficult for everybody to experience the wrath of God that gets unleashed at the end. But for believers, it's essentially a purifying fire. It's a redemptive thing, which is not to say that it's not painful, that it's not difficult. But knowing that it's redemptive is is the key. But understanding that even in his wrath, God is merciful and how he he pours that out. And it is done ultimately for the purifying of his creation and the benefit of his saints. But yeah, it's a, right. a strong theme in this. And I don't know. I've always been—I think you have to be careful about trying to know more and say more about God's wrath and His hidden judgment, as Luther frequently reminds us. Um, these are things right. that are, are mysteries that we can know that they're mysteries, but to peer into the specifics can get problematic quickly. Does that, yeah. does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, we gotta, I think there's— I think I think you're right right on the money here, but we gotta we gotta develop this a little bit more. But but first we gotta take our break. But everybody, hang on. We're looking yeah. at Revelation chapter fifteen here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Uh.
3: Hi, I'm Gary Duncan, the Executive Director of KFUO Radio. We are all impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. All of the KFUO staff is practicing social distancing by working from home offices and temporary home studios. Our promise to you is that we will continue to bring you the Word of Christ in our programming and worship services, the clear message that we've been proclaiming since 1924. During this worldwide pandemic, we will continue to share the comfort of Scripture God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. That's from Psalm 46, one. Thank you for listening and supporting KFUO Radio. And rest assured that when you turn on the radio, click on our live stream, or download your favorite podcast, we will be here proclaiming Christ for you anytime, anywhere. KFUO.org.
0: Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on sharper iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Revelation chapter 15 today, and we just read this part um, that was just the this, this song that the, the righteous are singing, and it says it's the song of Moses, which we haven't we haven't quite gotten to yet. Uh, we were just uh, talking uh, a little bit about a question that we had a comment about this idea of like this wrath being stored up here. If you've got a question or a comment for us, uh, we've got. Uh, some op- opportunity here to discuss and uh, ask some questions together. So you give us a call at 1 800 730 2727. Also, if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314 821 0850, or you can always send us an email at kfuo at kfuo.org. Uh, also, if you try to, uh, if, you, if you follow along on Facebook here on my Facebook profile, um you can just go ahead and type in the chat box there on the live stream and i will try to uh be attentive to that as well. Uh we're joined today by Pastor Kevin Martin, Pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh yeah, we were just talking a little bit about this whole idea of wrath of God and and brother you were just saying how you know um you, you don't you don't want to try to like, you know, take these, you know, seven seven plagues and and try to say like, okay, like, well, this is the wrath of God. That's going to happen like, you know, on this day and that day and that day. And, you know, people have done this and they've tried to calculate things and yeah. make predictions. But uh, I, I mean, I really, I just, I, kind of back to what we were saying at the beginning of the hour, you know, I just don't think that that's the way that you, it, it's not even that, I guess, uh, it, that they they might get wrong or right? that like, Oh, like they might miscalculate, but that's just not even what you're supposed right. to be doing to begin with that like we should be seeing this as as something that happened at a certain time already in the, in the past and that there are going to be certain patterns that we see that and we can apply to our own situation. But I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's like as if it's, you know, meant to be a a crystal ball here for us. Um, And and I think that you you really see that, I guess, when you go back to chapter seven, because, and this is something that we haven't had a chance to talk about that much, but, you, you see again and again in our english translations for instance back in, in chapter 7 you know after this i saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth um and then it wasn't but just uh in chapter 13 right you had the first beast that comes out of the sea and then the second beast uh, rising out of the earth and that's the way it's translated but i, I mean are we to take this as like you know? the the global ocean and like planet earth um or or should we be taking it a little bit more specifically and i actually really favor understanding this more specifically that the sea actually refers to the mediterranean sea and that the earth actually refers to basically the land of israel Um, because in fact uh, the the phrase there in greek it means it very often refers to the land as in the land that we're talking about basically synonymous with Israel and that's kind of true I think in most places in the Bible what 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 do you think there
1: oh I I, I, I completely agree uh, all, all, all of the above I, I I think too often you know where the Greek says the land it gets translated earth like it's yeah. the whole earth and I I agree with you I mean it's not something you know it's an opinion I mean but but I think you develop an ear for things like this, especially people yeah. who are highly skilled in Greek, like Pastor Espinoza is, and and your ear kind of says, "Ah, yeah, this is the land, and is this the land of Israel. It's the sea uh, of the Mediterranean, of which John and Patmos is on the opposite end from right, right. You know, where 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 Israel is." But it it connects. The land is connected in that way, and yeah, I think the land is Israel. I think so too
0: yeah, and and I think there's there's actually like a, n- a number of things that that um that like point us in that direction, uh one of the things you know back in chapter seven we we saw that you had this list of the tribes um and we saw this was a a somewhat unique ordering of of the names you know from Judah on yeah. through Benjamin, but if you think of it geographically, Judah in the south, Reuben across the river to the east, then Gad up towards the north, and then coming back down from the north. Asher to Naphtali to East Manasseh, going in that Southeast direction, and then heading straight South, um, going through, uh, of course, you you kind of skip over Simeon and Levi because they're scattered, uh, but then Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, uh, Benjamin, actually bringing us right back down to Jerusalem, yeah, which was you know historically inside of Benjamin. So, uh, I mean, yeah. you, you got these different things that sort of signal that we're talking about this particular place, right. you know, we mentioned in chapter nine. You had the mention of the Euphrates, right? I mean, that's a specific river that was northeast of the land of Israel. Um, I, I mean, it's really, it's really something. It, it just kind of go goes on and on. I mean, we're talking again. Remember, this is addressed to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Okay, so we're talking about right. this very specific place that's that's kind of uh, on the other on the north side. Of the Mediterranean, right? We're right now talking about yes. stuff that's on the east side of the Mediterranean. Yep. So there's there's a lot of stuff that means that we're talking about a particular time and place. And we didn't even talk about one kind of fun thing. Fun's probably not the right word. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but we we mentioned the the good, see this is good yeah, okay this is that poor choice of word but, I, but the the blood right had that had came out of the wine press of God yeah the, the the blood that's fl- flowing out of the the wine press at the end of chapter fourteen it says. It goes as high as a horse's bridle for sixteen hundred stadia uh, that might be the better way to translate that might be uh there's so much blood that's coming out from this wine press, which um yeah to clarify this is happening right outside of Jerusalem, uh which is right. called uh, which is called Babylon the Great here. we talked about that yesterday um but this this blood is flowing out of jerusalem and it's it, it's so much it goes up to a horse's bridle even 1600 stadia away and now why would you say 1600 stadia away um well a couple of reasons that's about for uh, first one thing it's a kind of a stands out as a length of measurement um it's it's equivalent to about 180 miles or so that's about the length of the jordan river like just pretty much exactly which is pretty significant um also it's about the distance from jerusalem to the furthest border of israel like at least according to like numbers so like it's a symbolic representation of basically the bloodshed goes out from jerusalem even to israel's furthest border right so i mean there's just so much stuff that's just focusing all over israel
1: right And, you know, this is what you were saying in the outset and what I strongly agree about how you approach the book of Revelation, because your approach is everything. When you get these specifics correct, and I think these are correct, it takes out a lot of the silly applications to, you know, modern times. Because very few see the 1600 as, hey, that goes from Jerusalem to the furthest border. But that's it. That's what a contemporary reader would get. And unfortunately, it needs some explaining to modern people to fully appreciate what's going on. But it takes out a lot of kind of weirdo readings. I don't know that's the best word of Revelation. It's just not not really biblical, Um, you know, more eisegesis than exegesis. Right,
0: right. No, yeah, we don't want to be reading things into the text and just kind of making it say whatever we want. Um, We want to try to, like you were saying— get what, what somebody at the time would have understood it to mean.
1: Yes. And that, that, that goes to the border of Israel is another way of saying what well, Paul will say in Romans 9, and so all Israel will be saved. And I oh, think right. one of the things we miss there is not necessarily talking about the people of, but the land. <laughs> you know, yeah. The entire land is redeemed. And the whole thing about becoming Israel is more like being an olive branch grafted into a tree. It's more about Finding a home for yourself in that kingdom that has been washed and redeemed right. by Christ's blood—it's a corporate thing, and it's being part of the church. I mean, so yeah, right. I'm with I'm totally so, so, there.
0: So, so let's talk about this then. So, I mean, like, so where is yeah. the salvation from the wrath of God in the midst of this wrath, which which poured out over all? Of, I mean, all of Israel, right? And so we, we've talked a lot about yeah. this, all this temple language, in which we're going to get more temple language here, even again in verse five and yeah. verse six here, right? And so yeah. we, we keep talking about it. So when the when the temple was destroyed, um, yeah, first and foremost, there was, I mean, it was disaster on the city of Jerusalem. Um, you know, there there was a fire raining from heaven as the as the Romans launched flaming debris with their catapults into the city as they were trying to breach it um, under Titus. Um, so you, you had those things going on, but it's not like it was just Israel. There was, or, or just Jerusalem, there was bloodshed all over the place. The zealots themselves were were riding around the, the countryside and like raiding in um, yet you, you had uh, to the south, you had uh, the, the Roman legions were, were active in the north. They, they first, um, you know, took Galilee, um, in Perea, before they went down to Jerusalem. So, I mean, the whole area, the whole region is engulfed in this violence. But yeah, even though the whole region is, there's there's salvation for, for the Christians, for the, for the church in the midst of it. I mean, the church survived this. And, and I think that, that that idea, I think, is where we get the Song of Moses stuff, because oh, it, yeah. it seems like oh, yeah. there's just disaster on all sides uh, the metaphor we have is it's the the roman legions are like a flood but well what what do you call it when when somehow in the midst of a flood you come out on the other side um not drowned but saved well that that sounds like the passover that sounds like the exodus to me so song of moses yes
1: song of moses exactly and of course as peter will remind us that that drowning of the Red Sea, like the drowning in the flood of Noah, is all fulfilled in baptism. I mean, is how we get in on that. Yeah, right.
0: Well, and... okay. So yeah, so so help help make some connections for us here. Then, um, you know, how how does sure. this this song of Moses, I, I mean, function here? I mean, it, it, it's called the song of Moses, but of course, it's not exactly the the song of Moses, or at least what you know what exactly you had back in. Um, Deuteronomy. So, yeah, what do you right. what, what do you make of some of the details here, what, connecting this to this to the sea and the the church being saved in the midst of disaster?
1: Right. So, my connection would be um, Luther's flood prayer, which is the order of baptism that I always use. I know it's an alternative, and I don't know that everybody in our synod uses it, but I, it's what I use for all baptism, and it has the wonderful flood prayer where it says, as you brought your children safely on dry ground through the Red Sea, as you drowned, you know, hard-hearted Pharaoh and his host in the sea, so you have brought us through the water of baptism, you know, safe and secure. So the connection here is that the blood that flows from Jerusalem all the way to the furthest border is ultimately the blood of Christ, But mingled with that is also his wrath on those who had opposed him. And just as the water of the Red Sea drowned hard-hearted Pharaoh and his host, but it was a path of redemption for Israel. So this is what John is singing the same song, you know, that in baptism, you've been flooded. And now all that you suffer with Christ it's become redemptive. I mean Israel scared the beebievers out of them, you know, when they were going into the the Red Sea. But they came out right. safe and only the Egyptians were drowned. In baptism, our old Adam drowned, a new person, you know, made in Christ's image arises. So kind of my connection is is, is the water always brings you back to to baptism and its connection with the flood and you know, with the Jordan and the Red Sea deliverance. Right. That's that's yeah. how I connect the dots, yeah. at least. Yeah. You, I, absolutely. I
0: mean, well, you... and I, well, I I I got to say like when you were just mentioning like the flood prayer, right? I mean, it's a uh, I was just thinking about Easter Vigil, right? Where you have the the service yeah. of of holy baptism um and and I I know that yes. for Easter Vigil we we did that at least in remembrance and um yeah, it's really interesting how you have that where it's a moment of the wrath of God. It's kind of like we were mentioning earlier, right? But it depends on where you're standing, right? Like the wrath of God is a really good thing, It's a really good thing when you're standing on the other side of the of the Red Sea. It's a really bad thing when yeah. you're in the middle of the Red Sea, right? Um, but but yeah, we, we see that kind of again and again, that that theme of uh, vindication, right? Where where I mean, it was it, even back it was, I think it was in chapter eight where we saw that the hundred and forty four thousand, they're there praying for the wrath of God. I mean like you know there's this incense that goes up uh before the altar. I mean they're, they're praying for this to happen. They're they're asking God, please, yes, send the angels with the censer um with the trumpets, you know, bring this. Uh be because it, that that's that's what Moses and the children of Israel are saying on the other side of the Red Sea. They're like, "Please, Lord, collapse the Red Sea, <laughs> right? Don't don't wait until they cross yeah. too." Um Just so so it. there is yeah, exactly. I mean, you think of Isaiah, right? Like, oh, that you would come down and rend the sky, right? Um, you know, and, and just burn it up, you know, like dry wood, you know. So uh, there's there's a sense I'm, where I you should... you find yourself praying for it, you know, like saying, "Bring it." Um, and it's I mean, only I, because sorry
1: of Christ. The the ark of the covenant has got me. I I, I can't not say it. It's in my head. It's, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark. When he and Marion are tied up, yeah. and the Nazis open the Ark of the Covenant, and they look inside, and looking inside, they're consumed and literally destroyed. And yep. Indy and Marion go free. I mean, there's a way in which that was the only way they were getting out of that one. And that that's a biblical illusion. I mean, Spielberg, you know, he went to his his you know synagogue school. Um, the yep. Wrath of God. When you're when you're being held captive by the enemies of God, then you're just like, yeah, bring the wrath. You know, bring it. And right. hard-hearted Pharaoh and his host are drowned. Israel escapes on dry ground. And John is singing the same song, just verse 7.
0: <laughs> yeah, yep, e- exactly. I, I want to take a question here. We got um, a call from James on the phone. Uh, James, good to hear from you again. Um, Bless uh, Easter tide to you and uh and uh, your friends in your uh, bible study group uh, what's your question brother
4: good I'm glad you remember that because um, um because of the situation we haven't been able to meet uh in a pretty good while now so uh so we're not meeting as a group, but my question is, and I haven't been able to keep up is that are yeah. we still using uh dr Brighton's lectures uh from his book of revelation at the CM?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: when you do uh the yeah, study, are yes you, are you still using those as a point of reference yes okay. yeah yeah
0: Come. that's that's right yeah and uh his uh particularly his his concordia commentary um is is a really strong uh book in the series that's widely used
1: okay. i uh actually okay, took because class with dr brighton oh, go in go our... <laughs> that's how old i am say that again <sighs> I actually had Doctor. Brighton for Revelation at the St. Louis Seminary. I, I actually heard that class in person. Um, he was a wonderful teacher. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm such a, a a longtime listener. I remember every time that we would have a kind of a study on Revelation that we would use it. But I want to yep. ask this question. Um, sure. In The wrath in chapter 15, is it one of those two woes that was mentioned at the end Mm -hmm. of chapter 9, verse Mm -hmm. 12? It talked about these woes have passed, and behold, there are two more woes to come hereafter. And in general, as we're talking about the wrath and judgment of God, is the purpose of that to bring repentance? And if so, why in chapter 9? in in verses 20 through 21 that those uh third still didn't repent and continue to do their wickedness and the wickedness that's still in the world today if Mm -hmm. it's the purpose of judgment is to bring repentance and i'll hang up and listen and thank you guys for taking
0: me yeah 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 yeah. thank you james i I appreciate the questions yeah yeah. God, god bless you and uh everybody in your in your Bible study group. And I am hoping that we'll all be able to meet in our in-person Bible studies again soon. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a few different things there. I think that um, in Dr. Brighton's commentary, he kind of lays out something similar to what we were just talking about at the top of the hour, that you, you do seem to have kind of these, these reset buttons where, where it seems like these signs are kind of trying to describe things that are happening contemporaneously at the at the same time from different perspectives at least to a certain extent um so mm-hmm. i think that dr brighton would see yeah, everything that went through chapter uh, 11 as in some ways getting repeated then once you get on to chapter 12 and and so forth so when you have those those three woes um, which are the last three trumpet blasts in the first sequence um yeah you would expect that those would kind of be on a certain level, almost like re-narrated, um, as, as we go through this second sequence though, I mean, I would, I would think that that wouldn't really be until, um, you know, we, we get to like the last few bowls here, uh, in maybe chapter. So what, what, what are your thoughts, Kevin?
1: No, I, I, I agree. Cause I was going to say, this is where the, yes, are we generally going over the same things? I think in general we are, but making very yeah. specific that this woe ties in with this bowl, I I'm, I I don't know that we're really supposed to be trying to do that. That that we're covering the same general territory, yes. Yeah. But are they exactly the same? Maybe not. You know, maybe not. The, yeah. They the, the, maybe similar. Um, I I don't know. That's not a great. I mean, James asks a really good question well, though
0: no 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 i think i think your answer is really fair though because i do think that per, I, because it was interesting to me in chapter 14 we had the three angels right and it was really interesting that we had it says uh in, back in 14 verse 6 um then i saw another angel flying directly overhead um and you yeah. know with, with an eternal gospel to proclaim right um and then these other <laughs> angels come you know <laughs> falling, following is babylon the great they uh the, the the angels seem very similar to that eagle that was flying overhead earlier, back when it was pronouncing the three woes. I mean, it, it's so yeah. similar, like that that first angel. Oh. I mean, I mean, let's what 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 did that angel say back in chapter fourteen? Uh, it said here, "Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water." Right, and, and so it's just, it's a very like. Topographical, geographical kind of um, talk that focuses on like the earth and the sea, and, and what did the angel, uh, or not the angel, but the eagle say? Right, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So, uh, there, there does that... seem to be a, a strong connection there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's James asked a great question that deserves a great answer, and I think. I think Pastor Espinoza got got pretty close there. It's hard to give as good an answer as the question was.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean, it's uh, I mean, you do see like you know the the three woes, um, you know, or the three the three angels in fourteen. I mean, it, it's it's pretty it, it's pretty bad. You know, it's you talk about the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, uh, described as Babylon. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, this judgment that where there is no rest, there's bloodshed that there's no escape from it's all over the whole land. I mean, that sounds pretty much like the three woes, like we were talking about. So, I I mean, I do think that that kind of, that general idea of these three woes, basically describing the actual just destruction and, um, consumption by violence of Jerusalem and Israel, um, leading up to the destruction of the temple and culminating in that. I, I mean, I, I think that that generally is the thing that you got in all three sequences, you might, you might say, I, I mean, yeah. like, though, as you were saying, it's it's weird yeah. because in 15, it's like, it, it's sort of a new sequence. It's sort of continuing on what we saw earlier, uh, through 12. So, I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're not being like just hedging your bets unfair, I think with saying that there's some overlap. Cause I, I think there is, but um, right, but yeah, I think that generally we're kind of circling around the same key events.
1: Yes, I, I, I think that's, I think that's the best best we can do.
0: I, I like answer. what you said though. I, I like what you said though earlier about like just how like the the flood turns from wrath to judgment for us who are in Christ though, because uh, just, just like the same way with you know our, our baptismal liturgy right where you go and you take something like God's wrath, which is a flood right. uh, in in Noah, right? right? Or in um, right. you know the, the Red Sea crossing, which, I mean, it's interesting to James's point, right? On a certain level, these plagues are meant for repentance, but at a certain point, like, and we saw that with Pharaoh, right? Yeah, At a certain point, they're not about yeah. repentance anymore. It's just about judgment. It's just about condemnation. Like yeah. you had your chance to yeah. repent. You won't take it. So I'm just going to save my people right. now. Um, and, and, and I, I think, think that that's that the line that has.
1: Point. That's it.
0: Yeah. So I think I think the line has been has been crossed here with some of these things. Once you get to the last three woes, it's like, okay, we we tried to give you a chance for repentance, but now we're just going to save my people wow. and just we're, yeah, we're just we're just wiping out this godlessness at this
1: point. That was exactly exactly what I was thinking when James said that that it is partly repentance, but I think we're pretty well by this judgment. We're we're past that. Now it's just right. plain, plain judgment. The lines have been drawn. People have taken their stand. Yeah. Right. So. And, and so,
0: what, what's so, what's so beautiful about that then is that this is just—it's not the call to repentance so much anymore at this point. More now, it's just God destroying His enemies in order to save His people. The focus is just saving His people, and I mean, and it's just something how. You can see that, yeah, in a way of speaking, is there blood that flows out from outside Jerusalem engulfs the rest of the country? Uh, Yeah, because when Titus was there with his army right outside of the city of Jerusalem, you know, raining down fire with his catapults and everything else. Yeah, I mean, there was bloodshed that just rained over the whole of Israel. But on the other hand, right, isn't that interesting? Back in chapter 14 there, it says that outside the city, right? There's a wine press outside the city. Right. Um, which not only would have been Titus with his army, but also would have been the Lord Jesus Christ on Golgotha where he was crucified. Right. And where Absolutely. there was that blood, as you said, brother, not just uh, of the blood shed that was flowing out in AD 70, but the blood that flowed from his side earlier in AD 33. And how you, you have this, I think, I think there is a kind of juxtaposition here between Revelation and John where uh, the, the violence and, and the wrath become saving for us. Uh, We're we're almost out of time here. Let me just read the last couple of verses. Verse 5. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Uh, I, I think just compliment you and I have been talking about. But I, I, like I said, so many good things, uh, a, a grateful hour. Thank you guys for the questions, and thank you, uh, Kevin, for uh, everything today, helping us sort through Revelation chapter 15 today. Thank you. Everybody, that was Pastor Kevin Martin, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Rolla, North Carolina. Uh, We're taking a little break to look at some Psalms tomorrow, so check that out. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa.
1: Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting thy strong word.